Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Samuels vs. Schlanger. I'm Leighton Samuels, I am Leighton Schlanger, and we didn't have football tonight, or last night, it was last night, I know, <laughs> the, the big secret is that we do in fact record these, uh, <laughs> these podcasts very late at night on Thursday, generally after the Thursday night games, um, so that we can talk about them for your, for your Friday enjoyment. But uh, we didn't have a Thursday night game. No, we did not. We had a Wednesday night game. Uh, so I guess we can, we're can. we going to be recapping the Wednesday night game. But the Wednesday night game was also still part of week 12. So it feels like we're way behind. Like this feels like our Tuesday podcast when it is really, in fact, our Friday podcast. Well, you know, we're, we're still going to be doing flex plays. Um, yeah, I know. But we're also, um, surprise, spoiler alert, uh, we are going to be doing our three-quarter season awards. That's right. We're going to be doing this every four weeks um, because we have fun ranking these guys um, and we think you have fun listening to us rank these guys. So uh, so that is something that we have typically done on our Tuesday podcast, but we're doing it on our Friday podcast today because, well, it feels like there's a little less analysis to uh, to go down. Like, we are, like, we, like we're doing the awards, we are three-quarters of the way through this season, and you know who you're starting, you know who you're sitting, you know who sucks, you know who's great. It is our job here uh, to analyze for you those couple of question marks left, which we will be doing with our flex plays and such, but um, we're looking for something fun to do on a Friday podcast, and we thought that these uh, three-quarter season awards, now that we are finally done with week 12, would be a great option. I couldn't agree more. Well, of course you couldn't agree more. You're the one who decided to do it. Well, you helped. I I, w- I would not help you uh, get a tree off of you that fell on you. That's an awfully specific situation. And I'm, I don't even know. I don't, I don't, I, don't I, I literally do not know how to respond to that. So I'm just going to choose not to. Um, we do have a lot of football to talk about in recapping that Wednesday game. <laughs> and uh, did you? Is your voice tired? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been we've been working. We've been hosting Zoom team building events all week. So um, that is that is the survival job. Welcome to a little peek into the uh, life of Samuels and Schlanger. Yeah. So um, so doing this voice uh, actually. Uh, ends up grading on Leighton after a while. So, we are going to do it anyway, because you know what? This is what we do. This is why we're here. This is the joy that we bring to you, and it is a joy for us to bring it to you. So here we are doing fantasy analysis, making, hitting that drop, and doing the stuff. All right? We're good? Yeah, we're good. Hit that drop. Let's do this. This is the drop. This is the drop. This is the drop. Samuels versus Schlanger. Oh, this is going to be brutal. All right, like we said, we are going to get started with that Pittsburgh-Baltimore game that happened on Wednesday night. You keep saying Wednesday night. It was actually, Schlanger was wrong. It was actually Wednesday afternoon. It was like it was like a Sunday, like 3, 4 p.m. game, but uh, instead it was on Wednesday. It was the strangest time for there to be football. Honestly, I almost missed it because I had, like, it was just, it was such a random time. Yeah, apparently the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting um, was the thing that was taking the Wednesday night primetime spot. So football got kicked down the daytime. Uh, You know, 
the holiday season, that's things that happen. Uh, you know who uh, didn't appreciate it not being in primetime? Mr. Primetime Bren Roethlisberger. <laughs> Bren. Bren. Bren Roethlisberger. Bren Roethlisberger. <laughs> can, you, can you stop just, like, mumbling his name and actually... <laughs> Give some some kind of fantasy analysis or some kind of football. Literally anything. Just provide some sort of content that is worthy of our listeners' ears. Fine. Fine. Ben Roethlisberger throws 51 pass attempts but still only gets you 12.54 fantasy points. So... I, you know, I know there was a lot of hype going around, around Ben Roethlisberger because he had those two weeks with those 20-plus uh, fantasy point outings, but he has had only two 20-plus fantasy point outings over the past seven weeks, and both of them required 42-plus pass attempts. Now, he's only done that. He's only had 42-plus pass attempts five total times this season, including this past Wednesday with his 51 pass attempts. And that was his only game with more than 50. Like, he is a volume-dependent quarterback who is not always providing the volume, and he's averaged fewer than 14 fantasy points in the rest of the games, in the other five games where he has had 42-plus pass attempts, which means he he's not even a guarantee to get you 20-plus fantasy points when he has a ton of pass attempts. And 42 pass attempts in a game is a lot. And Pittsburgh's defense is too good for him to be throwing 42 pass attempts a lot. I would not trust Ben Roethlisberger in your fantasy playoffs, for sure. I would not trust him to even even against Washington this week, as you're trying to get into the fantasy playoffs. He is out of my top 10 rankings for this week and probably moving forward. I could not agree more regarding Ben Roethlisberger, but the strangest thing... A quarterback does not have to produce in order for his pass catchers and skill position players to produce. Eric Ebron, 12.4 points. Chase Claypool, 11.2 points. Deontay Johnson, 12.6 points. Juju Smith-Schuster, 17.7 points. He got the touchdown. Um, and he was, like, they all had, all four of these pass catchers had at least nine targets. Uh, Eric Ebron actually had 11. Deontay Johnson led all of them with 13. Like, this high-volume passing game does allow all of these receivers to reach a high floor, which is great. And I think that's actually something that we can look forward to moving forward. The crazy thing, Benny Snell also got 12.3 fantasy points. Um, you know, he was helped by his passing game usage. Three, three catches for 33 yards um, helped put him over the double-digit fantasy point threshold this week. Like, Snell has that workhorse load back, workhorse back load, there it is, um, that we were seeing James Conner get all this time, and, you know, you gotta be happy with the 12.3 fantasy points from Benny Snell against one of the best defenses in the game. Now, but hold on, like, this is probably Snell's job for only one more week tops, and his one more week would be against Washington, which just shut down Ezekiel Elliott for 2.9 points, like, I like I I understand what you're saying about how Benny Snell is a nice trustworthy guy, but like that opportunity already passed. That opportunity passed and you didn't want to start him against Baltimore anyway because Baltimore has a great defense. So, okay, but <laughs> Baltimore has a better defense than Washington. In Washington, and like that's the thing, they shut down Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott tore apart Minnesota the week before. We've gone over this. Minnesota just had a bad game. Like, I don't expect... 
I do not expect Washington's defense to be able to stop Pittsburgh as much, and certainly Washington's offense will not be able to to score on Pittsburgh, which means Pittsburgh should be playing from ahead, which means Benny Snell should be getting more opportunities. Um, so, uh, fine. <laughs> You've convinced me. <laughs> that was really easy. I know. I'll, I'm very easy to convince. Um, do you want to talk about the Ravens? I do. In fact, I'm going to start this off. Gus Edwards, uh, <laughs> seven, uh, seven fantasy points for him. He got the touchdown. But Justice Hill, who only got six fantasy points, looked a lot better, um, which is really sad because he only got six fantasy points. I mean, the whole, let's just be honest here, the whole Ravens offense does not work without Lamar Jackson, and it's been struggling to even work with Lamar Jackson. So, like, I can can keep analyzing this backfield, um, but all all it really does is just continue confusing a backfield that already had Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, and J.K. Dobbins, and now you're talking about Justice Hill, who looked better than Gus Edwards, but Gus Edwards has been getting involved, and so, like, now are there four running backs involved? Like, I just give up hope. Just give up any hope of ever trying to start any of these running backs. I distinctly disagree. I think J.K. Dobbins might be useful in some some deeper leagues. You're forgetting that, I mean, before this COVID thing, which isn't an injury per se, so he should be good, he's coming off an 18.5-point effort against Tennessee. And this offense, like you said, is desperate for weapons. And I think that they're, they're going to hold on to any opportunity they can to get any of their weapons going. J.K. Dobbins is a weapon. I think he can be useful going forward. Now, but... But the thing is, he, when 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 Dobbins put up those 18.5 fantasy points, Mark Ingram only played 9% of the snaps in that game because he it was his first game back from the injury. They were bringing him back slowly. Ingram is another week removed from that injury. I think he's more involved. And if he's more involved, I think that's, again, fewer opportunities for J.K. Dobbins. I wouldn't trust any of them. I would still, in deeper leagues, trust J.K. Dobbins. And uh, Hollywood Brown? Maybe and maybe he's back. He he got eight targets, which is great. He was he was the only pass catcher who produced anything. He caught four four uh, four of those targets for eighty five yards and a touchdown. The problem with him, oh Samuel's with the problems. What's your problem with Hollywood Brown? My problem with Hollywood Brown is fourteen of those eighteen and a half points came on one play. That was just that was honestly just bad coverage. It was it was really bad coverage. And Marquise Brown is really fast. Exactly. So he gets those 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 touchdowns. Yes, but it wasn't even like a deep ball where he outran. I mean, he pulled a nifty move on the safety so he could get into the end zone. But, like, the cornerback that was covering him just just ate it, just bit. Um, so I do not expect that kind of production from Hollywood Brown. He's been struggling up to this point. I think he continues to struggle. Fun fact, though. It's fun fact time. Fun facts with Schlanger. This is going to be my new segment. Fun facts. With Schlanger, Des Bryant saw his first two targets in an NFL game since 2017, and he caught none of them. (laughs) So, Des Bryant still looking for his first reception since 2017. Yeah, I know, you're kind of happy for him for getting back into the league like he's on an NFL field. Like, that's, that says a lot for a guy who, um, who was, who was a legend in Dallas and then saw his production and everything just drop off the face of the planet 
And he's trying to make it happen again. So props to Dez. But boy, did it not work out in this game. <laughs> and this was probably his last opportunity. Because I feel like once uh, all this COVID stuff blows over... <laughs> this COVID stuff's not blowing over. Well, once the Ravens COVID epidemic... Um, kind of plateaus and comes back down. Uh, Des Bryant, I think, will find himself back on the practice squad. We have a live read. Yes, we do. Um, we are going to do that real quick. I will take it, actually, this week right now. Is your deadbeat child pursuing their lifelong dream of becoming an artist? Are you stuck worried about how they'll never make any money? Are you tired of them complaining how they have no artistic fulfillment when the economy is crashing and there are much more pressing matters at hand? Well, guess what? You're wrong. That's right. You're wrong. If you're one of those people that thinks that attempting to make a career through an artistic endeavor is a fool's errand, boy, do I have some suggestions for you. Cancel your Netflix. No more HBO Max. Your favorite movies? Toss them. Your favorite music? Forget it. I hope you like Silence and Boredom. Oh, you're more of a video game guy. Well, guess what? Those are canceled too. No more voice actors, no more motion capture professionals, all gone. But it doesn't stimulate the economy. Well, it's a higher contributor than both construction and transportation, so we better just cancel those too. How about you try this? Support the arts. They are for everyone. What's life without stories, music, and stimulating experience? This message was paid for and supported by the service industry. Tip your servers and bartenders. <laughs> that was... That was on the nose, my friend. It was, it was. But, you know, with, uh, you know, we're not here. <laughs> I'm just going to let that one sit. We're just going to move on right past that one. We are going to let that sit and go because we have our three-quarter season <laughs> awards to give out. That's right. We're not calling them rewards anymore. We've been struggling with that all season, but we finally got it right. And we are going to start with our preseason deep sleeper award. This is a player drafted in the 12th round or later, uh, as far as 10 team leagues go, and uh, they really panned out for you. Uh, who do you got for this? Um, well, we spent the whole season talking up Robbie Anderson, but you know what? I'm gonna call an audible here. I'm gonna switch it over to his teammate, Curtis freaking Samuel. Not my brother? Not my brother. Not your brother. It's your brother, I'm Schlanger. Not picked until the 13th round on average in most leagues, but over the past six weeks, he has averaged 17.3 fantasy points per game. That is on par with the likes of Austin Eckler on a per-game basis, Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, and that is above Chris Carson, Julio Jones, and Allen Robinson. That is... Not elite level, but that is certainly wide receiver, high-end wide receiver two talent right there. Robbie Anderson over uh, over the same course has been averaging only 12.6 fantasy points per game. And he's been catching passes from the same quarterback in the same offensive scheme, which this whole thing is clearly... Uh, steering itself towards Curtis Samuel and away from Robbie Anderson. But... That's right, we have another fun fact. Fun facts with Schlanger, newest segment, it's happening. DJ Moore, the fourth round, a fourth round pick on average, is only averaging 15.3 points per game over his last six games. Mike Davis is struggling, and surprise, Teddy Bridgewater is only averaging 17.1 fantasy points per game over his last six, which means not only has Curtis Samuel passed Robbie Anderson, 
But Curtis Samuel, over the over his past six games, has actually had the best per game average out of anyone, anyone on the entire Carolina offense. Like that is bonkers. He beats the quarterback, and this is Curtis Samuel. He's not even making his way into most starting lineups. Curtis Samuel, I honestly think, will be looked at as one of the most underrated players in the game this season. Not quite your league winner, but we will get to him later. We have the next award, the Surprise of the Year Award. I'm going to let you talk about this one, and I'm going to let myself talk about this one as well. It is, in fact... Justin Jefferson. Not because he was a surprise to me. That's right. He was a surprise to everyone except for me. He was drafted in the eighth round on average as a flyer. Like no one expected him to be the 12th best wide receiver in fantasy through the first 12 weeks. And he wasn't even a starter in the first two games, which means if he had had this starting job in the first two games, which again, we were talking was impossible because there was no preseason. There was very little off-season program for him to get uh, to, for him to get acclimated to to the NFL level. So like those first two games were his preseason, and he only had three receptions in each of them. Like like as a whole, he is having an absolutely amazing season. And this is this is what we predicted. This is why I was telling you from the very start of this podcast to get him on your teams. Not only has he developed into Minnesota's deep threat with an average depth of target of 12.7 yards, which, by the way, is third amongst those top 12 wide receivers that he's in, but he's also gathered 272 more total receiving yards than Adam Thielen on the season. Like, he's become a clear go-to option for Kirk Cousins. And he's still only 1.3 points behind Adam Thielen on the season, and that's only because Adam Thielen is second in the NFL with 11 touchdowns on the season. Like, Thielen's been catching touchdowns left and right. But again, touchdowns are lucky. Production is not. Which means Justin Jefferson, for the rest of the season and for years to come, might be the new number one in Minnesota. All right, we are going to move on to our offensive player of the year. I'm going to introduce mine first, and we're actually going to, we are going to speed through this one because, uh, you know what? We are going to, real quick, we are going to rename this award right now, are we? Yes, yes, we are, because forget offensive player of the year. We already talked about MVP, at least usually, except in the, in the rare cases of like Mahomes dominance from a couple years ago. The, the the MVP is going to go to a skill position player, not a quarterback, because quarterback is a deeper position. You always have to start at least two running backs or two wide receivers, so it is harder to find that number one position player, but that means that the offensive player of the year always goes to a quarterback, which means this will be, from now on, the quarterback of the year award. That's right, the quarterback of the year. Now, you may continue. <laughs> sure, thank you, fine. Uh, quarterback of the year it is, then. We actually, coincidentally and completely unplanned, we had this argument literally on Tuesday because I got Kyler Murray and I have Patrick Mahomes. That's just the way it is. Uh, and uh, we, we, we already, uh, you know, do you want to go at least go over the highlights? I do, in fact. So Kyler Murray had a five-game stretch earlier this season, weeks five through 10, in which he averaged 32 points per game. Mahomes is currently on a four-game stretch in which he's averaging just over 30 points per game, which isn't quite as uh, as to that level as Kyler Murray's, but it's still going on. It's happening right now, and Mahomes is hot right now as we move into the fantasy playoffs. Now, 
Uh, Kyler Murray is coming off of a single-digit uh, effort, sure. And Patrick Mahomes has no single-digit uh, fantasy point days in this entire season. Yes, yes, I know, but... Kyler was playing through a slightly injured shoulder, which will get better every week. And this was his first game with less than 20 fantasy points all season. Mahomes has two games uh, less than 20 fantasy points. So Kyler, outside of one off week, has just been the most dominant player in fantasy across the board. Um, and, uh, and Mahomes is going to be the most dominant fantasy player from here on out. Uh, scheduled down the stretch, Mahomes gets Denver, uh, Miami, and New Orleans, and then Atlanta. Yes, that's right. In week 16, Mahomes gets to feast on Atlanta. Mahomes will win you your league. Kyler has a much tougher schedule. He does. He does. He gets the Rams, the Giants, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. Um, all of them top 12, the Rams and the Giants are actually top five against fantasy quarterbacks, but Kyler gets points with his legs and Mahomes doesn't. So I still expect Kyler to take home this quarterback of the year award at the end of the season. We will see my friend, we will see. And now before we get to the league winner and league loser, which are my two favorite awards, we are actually going to talk about the MVP award. That's right. The most valuable player. And we've got some guys, we got, we got, we nailed, we narrowed it down to five options. There was, of course, the guys we've been talking about, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. And then we have three newcomers into this conversation, Derrick Henry, Tyreek Hill, and Devontae Adams. Who out of these five is your pick? I actually, I'm abandoning uh, Kamara and Dalvin. They have been struggling as of late, like especially Kamara, although I think Kamara's production will step up. I think they're just kind of resting him. Dalvin worries me a little bit more. Uh, Derrick Henry, though, has the easiest schedule down the stretch, literally the easiest. And we've seen him come alive down the stretch in every single season over the past two years, three if you include this one. In 2018, he averaged over 24.8 fantasy points and 146.25 rushing yards per game over the final four games of the season. He had failed to record even 60 rushing yards in a game the entire season leading up to those last four games in 2018. Like, that was... That was the beginning of Derrick Henry's NFL career, like really and truly, even though he was already, I think, a second or third year player by that point. Um, then finally in 2019, over the final six games, he averaged 26.8 fantasy points per game. And over the past two games, just recently this season, he's averaged 29.35 fantasy points versus two of the toughest defenses in football in Baltimore and Indianapolis. Now he gets Cleveland. 11th in the league, which actually isn't bad. Jacksonville, which is 28th against fantasy running backs. Detroit, which is 32nd. Green Bay, which is 31st. And if you play in week seven, he gets Houston, which is 30th. That is, that is literally four of the worst six NFL fantasy running back defenses. And Derrick Henry gets to feast on all of them. That's why Derrick Henry will be the MVP this year because he got you where you are now and he will also win you in the playoffs and win you the championship just like he's done for the past two years. Who did you choose out of those guys? Well, I also actually abandoned Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara because 
I gotta talk about Devontae Adams. The guy is an absolute monster. He has played two fewer games than Derrick Henry on this season, and he has still outscored Derrick Henry on the season. He is averaging 25.2 fantasy points per game throughout this whole season. Obviously, there have been games that he has missed, not counting those, but that is the most Per, that is the highest per game average among players not named Christian McCaffrey. And Christian McCaffrey has played for three games, so he doesn't even count. Devontae Adams is tied with Keenan Allen for the most targets per game. He is getting the opportunity. He's getting 11, literally 11 targets per, per game. But Devontae Adams has Aaron Rodgers thrown to him instead of Justin Herbert, and his catch rate is 74.7% to Keenan Allen's 69.7. This is literally the perfect uh, like triangulation of opportunity and and talent and production. Like it, it, this is the best wide receiver in the game catching passes from one of the best quarterbacks in the game, and he's a touchdown machine. He is behind Tyreek Hill, uh, but he was tied for the league lead in touchdowns with Tyreek Hill before Hill's three-touchdown effort last week. So why is Tyreek Hill not my pick if I'm looking at a wide receiver? Tyreek Hill is leading all pos skill position players in fantasy points this season, but he's coming off of a 57.9 fantasy point game, and that definitely skewed his value up. Like, these... I can't have a boom or bust kind of guy be the fantasy MVP. And in an offense surrounded by weapons, I don't see how Tyreek Hill manages to maintain his production down the stretch in the same way that Devontae Adams can. Because surprise, it's been, it's not even, it was a joke surprise because Devontae Adams is Aaron Rodgers' best and pretty much only receiving weapon. You're not worried about Alan Lazard? No, I'm not worried about Alan Lazard, bro. And you're talking about schedule for Derrick Henry? Davante Adams gets Philadelphia, Detroit, Carolina, and Tennessee down the stretch, That's, which is not the best. It's not as like juicy as Derrick Henry. I will give you that. But this is also PPR scoring, and Adams is a wide receiver. Week 16 championship game against Tennessee is just money. It is money in the bank. Give me Devontae Adams as the MVP this season. We will see. We will see, my friend. I'm really excited that we had conflicting uh, ideas for both of those. We are going to move on to our league winner. Our league winner is, of course, the player who came out of nowhere, who you probably picked up on waivers and and just, just added immediate RB1 or wide receiver 1 or QB1 value just out of nowhere. I would love to be talking about Justin Herbert for this because like truly amazing what this rookie has done. Definitely deserving of rookie of the year. But gosh, it's been the same guy all season and it's not going to stop. You want to talk about him? I do. James Robinson, baby. This guy refuses to let Samuels' doubts and Shay get to him. Samuels has been saying all season, oh, but the schedule gets harder. Is that how I sound? No, but it's how I think you sound. James Robinson still has not had a single-digit fantasy point day. His usage, regardless of game script, is insane. It can be the worst, most negative of game scripts for Jacksonville, and they are still using him like crazy. He is third in the league in rushing yards, behind only Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. He is fourth in the league in total touches, behind only Henry, Cook, and Josh Jacobs. But, but here's the thing. 
he is sixth amongst running backs in receptions, which none of Henry Cook or Josh Jacobs are ahead of him for, which means he is getting those valuable receiving touches. He is getting those extra points per those receptions that those guys aren't. And sure, schedule down the stretch is tough. He's got Minnesota, Tennessee, Baltimore, and Chicago, especially Baltimore and Chicago. Those are tough. Those last two matchups, that's your fantasy like championships. But... Robinson gashed up Cleveland last week. Uh, and Cleveland is is sneakily the 11th best fantasy uh, running back defense in the league. Um, and it didn't stop Robinson from scoring over 18 points against them. We've seen cracks in Baltimore's defense recently. And the Green Bay running backs just ran all the F over Chicago last week. Jamal Williams um, obviously doing a little bit better than Aaron Jones vulturing the touchdown, but like both of them just tore Chicago apart. So I say you trust in James Robinson. He is winning you your league. And finally, the league loser. You know who it is. You got it, but I'm going to let you talk about it. I am, in fact, not going to dwell on this for long, but it's Zeke. It's Ezekiel Elliott. He he was going on average third overall. I got him fourth overall. And last time we talked after week eight, when we did the midseason awards, he had been averaging only 8.8 fantasy points per game since Dak went down. Well, it's up. It's up to 9.6, which is great. But that's literally only because of one 19.4-point game against Minnesota that was followed up by a 2.9-point effort against Washington. He's got tough defenses from here on out. Baltimore, Cincinnati's not bad, but San Francisco and Philadelphia to close out the season. Like I I said on Tuesday, I'm going to be sitting him for Kenyon Drake and David Montgomery in those those tougher matchups. So, you know, a a close runner-up is still Lamar Jackson because paying for a quarterback in the second or third round and then him performing like he is is brutal. But I still think he can give you value, at least in week sixteen, in week 15 against Jacksonville and maybe even week 16 against New York Giants. But also, QB is an easier position to replace week to week. He did not kill your league quite like Ezekiel Elliott did. And that's it. That wraps up our awards. Well done, Schlanger. Well done, Samuels, you piece of crap. <laughs> Why do you have to ruin why do you have to ruin everything like that? We were just trying to have a moment. No, you don't get a moment with me, bro, because guess what? We're going back into our competitive nature. We are hitting up our flex plays real quick. You take the first one. Fine. We will do this. I've got Jonathan Taylor. I know. I literally just said do not trust him until he shows it. But guess what? He showed it last week, getting 15.4 fantasy points. And this week, he gets Houston's terrible, terrible defense. And it is the perfect opportunity to follow up on last week's performance. He does, in fact, qualify for this segment. I was actually really excited about this. Uh, He is outside of the top 20 in running back rankings in both Yahoo and ESPN. So he is a perfect flex play this week, Um, possibly an RB2 play this week. Um... I also do actually like Naheem Hines, not as much as Jonathan Taylor, but Houston, even without Will Fuller, they should be able to put up points, which means they might need their pass catching back as well. So you never know. I still like Jonathan Taylor more, but Naheem Hines is someone to at least think about. Who's your running back? This is, okay, this is a tough one because it is only if James Conner is still out for COVID things, and it's looking like he's going to be. But if James Conner is out, Benny Snell is a great high floor play against a Washington team. Wait, hold on. You're literally just stealing my argument word for word 
from earlier when we were recapping uh, the Ravens-Pittsburgh game. Well, yeah, but I also told you that you convinced me. So now I'm going to take it, and I'm going to run with it, and I'm going to make Benny Snell my high-floor flex play. He doesn't have a very high ceiling, and Connor hasn't had a super high ceiling this week, but he has a high floor against a Washington team that, like Samuel said, will not be able to put points up on the Pittsburgh defense, which means Pittsburgh will be running the ball to run out the clock. Who do you have for a wide receiver? I have, again, going back to that Pittsburgh-Baltimore game, I actually have Chase Claypool. Um, You think that Snell will be able to perform as the running back against Washington? I think uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to have to be moving the ball through the air. And we just went over how every single Pittsburgh wide receiver is valuable. I'm higher on Deontay Johnson, but, you know, so are ESPN and Yahoo. So Deontay Johnson didn't qualify for this, which means I'm sitting on Chase Claypool. I think he's a great flex play. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> It, it, this seems like a no-brainer for me. Like these, these are the kind of guys that are perfect for your flex spot um, because it's it's not guaranteed production. They are kind of boom or bust, but like even their busts are high single digits, um, but usually low double-digit games. Get Claypool in your lineups. Who is your wide receiver for your flex play? I actually have. Debo Samuel, my brother? No, none of these guys are your brother. You have an S in your last name. They do not. Debo Samuel, uh, last week wasn't a fluke. Uh, Like, he got 24.3 fantasy points last week, which was a huge boom, but it wasn't a fluke. Like, this is what San Francisco has wanted out of Debo Samuel the entire year. And sure, Brandon Ayuk will be back, and... So Debo Samuel's volume will not be as strong. And Buffalo's defense has been better recently. I think this is why Debo Samuel was out of the top 20 in Yahoo and ESPN. But I don't I, I don't I don't believe as much in Buffalo's defense. And I do believe in Buffalo's offense, uh, despite their slight struggles last week against Arizona. I think Buffalo's gonna put up points, which means San Fran is gonna have to put up points. And Debo Samuel is going to be their number one pass catcher. It's he's he's just gonna he's just gonna. That's what I'm calling. Uh, he is a super high ceiling and pretty decently high floor flex play. Uh, I'm really excited about him, and you should be too. That wraps it up. That's right. We are done with another episode of Samuels versus Schlanger. That's right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can find podcasts. We are on the We Know Fantasy platform, at We Know Fantasy on Twitter, www.weknowfantasy.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. We will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Win those leagues. Get into the fantasy playoffs and win. Yeah.